You're turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27. Just wanted to let you know that uh, Carrie uh, is back home, and uh, we're thankful for that. Continue to pray for her, and uh, they, there was some concern of a reaction to one of the medications that she was on. I believe it was an antibiotic, but uh, we're glad that she's home. Remember her in prayer. Also, continue to pray for Marg uh, Ferguson. She, uh, of course, having been hospitalized and in, uh, in a very inactive kind of situation for about three weeks or so, and uh, now at home, and they want to uh, have some rehab, and the best place to do that is oftentimes off-site rather than at home. And uh, so she's waiting to go to the nursing home down in uh, Leamington, and uh, so we want to pray that that would take place uh, so that she can go there, have the necessary rehab, and uh, be enabled to get up and uh, going again. So uh, continue to pray for these folk, and why don't we do that right now before we come to God's word. Father, we are thankful for one another. We're thankful for your church family. And we're reminded, Lord, many times that our church family is a broad family that covers all of the world for we're to pray for our brothers and sisters no matter where they are, but we're acutely reminded of it when it happens in our own little church house here. And so we do pray, Father, for uh, Marg. We pray that you would be with her. We pray for Dean as well, that you would strengthen and sustain him. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, be with Carrie. Uh, we pray for Betty Skidmore. We pray for others, Lord, that are going through uh, times of testing and uh, times that are full of pain and, and uh, difficulty. And Lord, we look to you. Help us, Father, to receive our marching orders from the Lord and to uh, go in the direction that he leads. And many times we're reminded that in those marching orders there is a certain amount of pain and difficulty that we must go through. And so we pray that in all of these things we will find your grace sufficient. And we pray, Father, that you would enable us to serve you and to run the race well. And now, Lord, we pray that you would grant us uh, attentiveness as we look to your word. Help us, our Father, to learn from it. Help us to see the tragedy of taking light, the spiritual matters of life, and disregarding them. And we see that in the man Esau, and we see the dishonesty in uh, Isaac, his wife, and the two sons, and Lord, we pray that in all of these things we would learn how to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Teach us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was high drama, I think, when you look at the account that we looked at last week. And, and you have this, this tension uh, in the family. And of course, it goes way back to that day in which uh, uh, Esau comes in and he is famished. A matter of fact, he's, he's starving to death. That's the kind of parlance that we would use to make it a little more contemporary. Uh, you hear that kind of thing. What is there to eat? I'm starving. And uh, uh, you look and you say, you don't look like you're starving to me. A matter of fact, you look like you could miss a few and not do any harm and possibly reduce the grocery bill. Well, this is the way it all happened, wasn't it? I'm famished. And, and here, Jacob who is a bit of a, a gourmet, has been making some lentil soup. Now, I don't know if you fancy lentil soup or not. I kind of like it. I like those kind of hearty soups. And uh, 
here he is saying, well, I, I need some of that red stuff. That's pretty colloquial. And Jacob very quickly uh, seizes the opportunity and says, well, I'll give you uh, some of this if you give me the birthright. And of course, you know the response. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? And the great transaction was taken. And then we saw last week, of course, that Isaac, 130 years old uh, or so, decides that I'm going to die soon. Now, you can hardly blame him. I mean, you get up over 100, you've got to start thinking your days are numbered, although he actually lived to be 180. And in that whole process of this taking place, Rebecca, uh, the eavesdropper, uh, has listened to the conversation that has taken place between Isaac and Esau. And, and Isaac is putting in his order for uh, a nice meal. And uh, you go do the hunting deal and come back. We'll have the meal and I'll give you the birthright. And Rebecca has listened to all of this and has set it up so that Jacob is going to uh, steal the birthright. Although when we stop and think it through, it was already his because it had been sold to him for the bowl of soup. And so all of this clusters around those passages that were read last week for you. And, and now, of course, we come to tonight. We recall what happened. Jacob cheats, goes in, lies uh, more than once. And so we have this, this, this whole turmoil in the family of, of Rebecca rebelling against Isaac and Jacob showing disrespect to his father and rebelling against him. And we see this whole uh, rebelling and lying of Esau because it was actually Esau who could have said to his father, Father, forgive me, I gave the birthright away. So we saw a whole lot of lying going on, a whole lot of deception going on, a whole lot of cheating going on, and, and now we come to this fascinating timing of the passage. And isn't it fascinating? Talk about timing. We begin tonight at verse 30. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. How's that for timing? Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Isaac, his father, said to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me? So that I ate of it all before you came and blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard these words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, he has taken away my blessing. And he, is, and he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master. 
and all his relatives I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now when, these, when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So reads the word of our Lord. Wow, it is a fascinating account. It's an amazing account, and the timing is just utterly staggering how this all plays through. The whole planning, the plotting, the cheating, and everything that took place. And so we, we, we have this, this scheme that Rebecca uh, and, and, and Jacob, but Rebecca took the lead on this. We have to remember this, that she was the leader in this. Now, this does not exonerate Jacob at all. Uh, Jacob followed everything that his mother told him to do and in actuality dishonored uh, his father. And you might say, yeah, but it was his. It was his blessing. It was his birthright. And uh, yeah, he did cheat to get it. And the reality is this. The fact that he cheated to get it doesn't make the cheating legitimate. The fact that something is yours or will be yours does not give you license to go and take it. And surely we don't uh, suggest that God's first plan is, okay, uh, start cheating, start lying, start deceiving, and uh, that's my will for you. God's will is never that we lie, never that we cheat, never that we deceit. And you say, well, what if this hadn't happened? And I'm playing devil's advocate here. I don't like that expression. But uh, that's the kind of questions that get asked in Bible class, Sunday school class, and other classes, and so forth. These are important questions to answer. God always has a way, and God always has the right way. And we don't give God a helping hand that is an honorable helping hand when we lie and cheat and steal. God would have so worked out circumstances that in the passage of time, Jacob would have received everything legitimately. But now we have the fallout of them being like little Frank Sinatra's and doing it their way. And that's my only Frank Sinatra quote, and I know you're greatly relieved. But notice how this plays through. 
The timing, as I mentioned, is just phenomenal. As soon as Jacob leaves, enter Esau. And now we have a shock for both father and son. And he comes with this promise about making savory food. And he said, let my father rise and eat of his son's game, verse 31, that you may bless me. And the result of this little conversation that is taking place between Isaac and, and Esau is immediate. And it is a, a, a dismay that comes both upon Isaac and Esau when this little conversation takes place. When Isaac, and it must have been a real shocker for Esau to have his father who seemed to have control of his faculties, send him on this hunting expedition. And now he's back from the hunting expedition. It's been a success, and he's going to whip up some, some, some grub for his father. And Isaac, his father, in verse 32, says, Who are you? Who are you? And he must have been taken aback. Wouldn't you be taken aback? I'm your son. And I know it's very difficult for us to get an inflection of this because Hebrew is not as highly inflected as the Greek language. And it also doesn't have, and we don't have the benefit of explanation marks and so forth. But you have to assume that, that, that Isaac must have been just utterly taken aback when all of this is playing out before him. And now Esau gets the news. And as soon as this takes place, Esau says, verse 32, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And the response is immediate. And in the best inflection uh, that the Hebrew language offers here, it tells us that Isaac trembled violently. All of a sudden, he's shaking. And, and you know, talk about people being shaken by news. He literally is shaking, and he's shaking violently at what has happened. And he can't believe it. And uh, it, it's interesting because immediately he knows that he has blessed the wrong son. Matthew Henry uh, writing on this, and I can't commend Matthew Henry high enough. Um, Matthew Henry does a superb job, uh, particularly in all of these uh, biographical, narrative, historical, narrative uh, parts of Scripture that we're sort of tempted to read through quickly. And Matthew Henry will sort of slow you down, and you pick up all the uh, nuances uh, of the story, and you get to look at it from every angle to see what's taking place here. And he's a master at it. And, and Matthew Henry, I think, is right. And he says, remember from last week, Isaac knew that the promise had been given to Jacob. He knew that. He may not have known all the birth details, but he knew the pronouncement of God. And the pronouncement of God was that the older will serve the younger. That's why we said last week that both look at the past day, that nasty, sneaky woman, but a feminist. And we look at Jacob and say, he's, he's, you know, his brother's out hunting manly stuff. Uh, Jacob's sitting at tallying all the stuff. He has statistics on how many cattle, how many sheep does he have, and, and, and off the wharf, and he's running the family. And we're tempted to think that, but we have to look at the whole, the whole picture was Isaac was well, and cheating as well. And the analysis of it all, that they all get exactly what they deserve, got more than he deserved, and we see that he right and the bless the family and the bless was with it. Stand something blessing of God and in our North America to have at all of what it means to have the, the desire that God will watch over His people 
that God will be with his people, the blessing of God with us by his Holy Spirit. All thing. So you see, well, he gets everything. In a few moments, we'll begin to see that through blessing the Father, patriarch of, and he gives that blessing. And so here we have this. And Jacob's, Isaac, pardon me, is trapped. And then he makes a statement. And it's a telling statement. And it is in the Hebrew a stand-alone statement. And this is one of the ways in which the Hebrew language is able to make a point and do he shouting and gnashing of teeth. And that's exactly what takes place. As soon as Esau hears those words, he knows this is done. These words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. Talk about lumping adjectives together. We have on the one and now all of a sudden, he with an exceeding bitter cry. And I don't hear him. All of a sudden happened. And he knows in his heart of hearts, there is no turning back. Look at verse 34. And you look at verse 36, verse 38. And you see a, a pattern here. A wailing and all. And he's crying out, testing. And all, and all the will not change what one I is. Cross me even. I'll have a blessing for me. Something too. Isaac is protocol. We're going to be politically. Don't want anyone to leave the house without a blessing. And this is what happens in our day and age. Uh, there's a fascinating commercial on television. And, and all the kids and the, the trophy, the kids, or he came first. I wasn't paying that close. The thing that grabbed him so telling up, and he's looking first. He rips off the marker out And like uh, Jacob's family, all the guys. Isaac does it. For everyone. We don't want any disappointed. We have prizes for everyone. Everyone happy. It's not that. There is one one birthright hand in hand with the blessing of the one birthright it's not a blessing for everyone it's not real and we have something curtains one two and and he does an unblessing too father it's the only fair thing to do in our politically correct society let's let's they don't and here he is and you know this something at least i know this something and i hope you will and then hopefully you will when i tell you what i notice and that's this that in all that transpires here, Esau feel in the first place. That's why you have this cry. Did me these two times. He took away my birthright. He's taken away my blessing. He didn't take away anything. They 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 were a bowl of soup and some nice bread, and 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 in return, that's it. And Esau doesn't connect the dots on this. Doesn't see that this was to be valued. This Isaac, and I am to carry this through in, in, in my life. And he doesn't see the value of it at all. So there's no confession. There's no, no sadness of what he did at all. There's vengeance toward his brother Jacob. Now, I'm not making Jacob out to be a, a goody guy at all. And uh, clobbered somehow. Uh, he will get going to end up working seven. But God said, older will serve the younger. And in the ground and playing or fix it any other way won't work. Starving to death. Now, really starving. You know, he do the didn't value what was in, in, in the family of that time. In the family, he value the birthright, the blessing, the inheritance. It was of no consequence to him back then. And that a prodigal son, he confessed instantly. He says. 
in, in essence, Dad, give me my inheritance now. Uh, I know you should wait till you die, but I want now. And uh, off he goes with the money, particularly on wine, women, and song. And now the next thing is, of course, he's doing what is absolutely abhorrent for a Jew to be doing. He's looking after pigs. Pigs stink. Pigs stink big. Uh, the farms in New Brunswick, it stunk the whole province as far as I was concerned. Pigs don't, this is deplorable. And what happens to that son? He smells like a pig. He's the pigs. He says, I'm good as the pigs ate. And then he senses and he says, rise. And, and he's rehearsed going to say, and rise and go. To, when I come to my father, I will say, I have sinned and you. You say, where in the world did heaven come into this equation? And the reality is this. We'd never sin strictly on a horizontal, horizontal earthy perspective. We sin not only against one another, we sin against God. The prodigal knew it, Esau didn't know it, and so here he is wailing big time before his father. Verse 34, he's crying out with an exceedingly loud cry. Verse 36, he's, he's still crying. Verse 37, crying out, he's lifting up his voice now and weeping. Volume was high. I probably cranked up again. But there's no repentance. The birthright. He is not remorse because he sinned. He lied. Short changed what was and treated it as though you. Ray Comfort this week. It's a name like Comfort, a last name. Things you'll know, um, talk from Ray. What could I do? A brief on. What's that do? Isn't this a comfortable, comforting thought? Real thoughts. What's that? And, and I was reading him, and it's fascinating. And, and Ray Comfort said, and, and, and this is a man that has gone witnessing in New Zealand. Australia and, and in the United States. He has even gone witnessing, for those of you that were victims of the 60s, he's even gone witnessing in MacArthur Park where somebody baked a cake and left it out in the rain song. And he went to MacArthur Park to the gospel and he a dump, dump, filthy dirt. And he said, go there and I bring my wife there, MacArthur Park. Comfort, who has been to a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings, said this. I notice that when... True perseverance. Huh? No truth. Oh, Terry, my life, everything's falling down, and, and, and I need somebody to fix it up quick. There's a lot of quick fix people, and they want the quick fix. But when the quick fix is over and done with, and then all of a sudden the next tragedy comes along, why is this happening to me? And we saw this morning that we don't live in a storm-free world, and people are quick to jittered place. This is a sheltered. There's no repentance. A friend of mine told me, there's quite a few home church that said, see people walk trail. And quick, I don't. People take up the cross of Christ. There's a big difference between this trail. And for some of you, they say, in a small church, or and said to my friend John, I want to see people walk trail. And John rightly said, I don't. Them take up the cross. Accompanying that taking up of the cross and following Christ is denying myself daily. If you think that all we have to do is deny ourselves for one night, a one night stand where we deny ourselves for a few moments, it's not going to carry you through to the end. All that means, moment in time of the emotions, of, it could be the of, of somebody, the manipulator of people, could be that. Following Christ is. Esau knew nothing of this to the Baptist church. 
and actually into the Protestant church in England. They had psalm singing, but they didn't have hymns that were written by ordinary people that know and love the Lord and have a skill in music, and it's wonderful that there are people that have that, and I have absolutely none, so I have a great admiration for those that do. And Keach uh, was a part of that. He also wrote the first Baptist catechism. This is what was taught to preschool children in Benjamin Keach's little class that took place on a Sunday afternoon for the little boys and girls in the church. So you have to envision, these are little munchkins. These are, are four, five, six-year-olds, little people. This is it. This is what he said. What is repentance unto life? These kids can't spell the word. They don't need to spell the word. They, what is repentance unto life? And this is what the little munchkins were taught. Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of his sin and of the mercy of does with and hatred of turn from it unto purpose and endure new obedience. That's it. That's repentance. It's when you're four years old. That's repentance when you're in the junior high class. Repentance is taught. It's taught. If it's not young, the value of those dreams uh, of, of years. And we're always reminded about the peer pressure and all that stuff. If we don't start young, when are we going to start? That's the way to do it. Esau didn't value any of this. John Calvin writes about Esau. And uh, John Calvin's a wonderful commentator. He gets a bad rap from people that have never read the man. This is what John Calvin says. The mind of Esau was affected with no sense of repentance, appears this way. He accused his brother and took no blame for himself. This is so contemporary. It's my I'm the victim in this. This is in the 1500 times aren't changing. Bobby Dylan was exactly status in the garden. The serpent made me on and on and on we go. And Calvin goes on. The very beginning of is grief on account of exactly what Benjamin Keith. Grief felt together with sin. Esau ascended into himself, have become his own instead. He will value. In, there's, I saw a note from years ago, and more um, was here. And it had morning service. And this, even though you weren't here, you remember the expression. The morning service was called divine worship. Now, it didn't mean divine the way that we understand divine in our. They, they understood something in the presence of a high, and it doesn't start till 9 o'clock, clock here, but it locked down home, and people went to the evening service. You could catch these people in service a day, right? Evening service, United Church, Presby's in town, didn't have England, didn't have an evening preached. Now, see, now we've chopped off the evening service around here. They're happening in service. How anymore? I don't think, I'm not beating up. They don't. What a glorious opportunity. How weird is this on a Sunday night? What a great opportunity. We can't sacrifice the edification that isn't for the building up of the belief. We can't do realism, or it'll, it'll, we need to grow on. In but Esau, given the day, things viewed. And Esau thinks he's a victim, really needed to know sinner. A look as we close tonight at the consequences of sin. This is the anguish of sin. And we mentioned it, alluded to it this morning, that God forgives us of our sins, but 
He doesn't sweep the consequences of our sin under the carpet. Your sins and my sins and the, the hard sins that were committed by us before we came to Christ many times have consequences and afterlife to them that follows us and follow us, follows us. You say, well, I thought I was forgiven. You are forgiven. You were forgiven. And how important it is to tell unsaved people, don't make a mess of your making decisions and you're doing things that are going to absolutely ruin your life and mark you for life and you'll find yourself unable later on that would have been beneficial to the cause you've disqualified even before you can't. And we need to understand that what we do consequences to it. If Esau had repented, would he have been forgiven? Absolutely. Would he have received the not on your life? That is over with. But he needed to respect the Lord, the things of the Lord. He didn't respect his father. He didn't to be a custodian of the birthright. We must care. Notice Rebecca's sin. Did Jacob receive it? Did he receive it? Absolutely. But no. easier to have waited on the Lord to work things intimately. Well, here's what. You'll notice the blessing when Esau is, is crying out and weeping and weeping and weeping some more. You read the serve his brother. You say, well, that's not a blessing. No, but that, those are the facts. And so it says, by your sword you shall live, verse 40, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck and you'll be wandering and free to do uh, whatever without having your brother over you. Not much of a promise. No, it's not. But this was a man that didn't have much concern about the birthright and the blessing in the first place. But notice the, the next result. The next result was that Jacob and, and Rebekah, in their dishonoring of Isaac, find themselves not living a... We get down to the end and we'll skip down and then we'll come back and make a closing remark about Esau. But notice, linked to all the events here, Rebekah loses Jacob and she loved Jacob. She loved who she loved. She lost. Jacob was the number. They had twin son and Isaac. Now that's tough when you only have two. But Jacob was down. She's miserable. She's tired of living, says in verse 46. She's going to lose her son. Notice what she hears. Judge verse 41. He hated his he, And he was ordered to die in the father. Father to die. So he could take charge of the funeral plans and honor him not on your life. He's waiting for Isaac to die. His brother, Jacob. That's his response to all of this. That's why we're able to say this man was unrepentant. First of all, Esau was miserable. Because when you have a grudge like that, you live in misery. When you, you have seething hatred, you live in, in misery. But here we have Rebecca come and notice what happens. When the words of her elder son, verse 42, Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, consoling himself, and how's he consoling himself? Consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now that's consolation. Now what does she have to do? And what does, verse 43, 
Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and flee to Haran to Laban, my brother. And here's when, how long he's, a few days. A few days become years plus. Never see Rebecca again. It's over. It's over. Wouldn't it have been better to wait for God to work without putting my hands on it and and planning and all sorts of things? Sure would have. And his mom thought about it. Jacob, he's leaving her as well. And, and God has a way of giving us what. And he goes and he lives. He gets cheated. And that's a God loves. He chastised. And we might look at Jacob admiration for him. But we are to look at him and recognize he is God's chosen to represent the family, the head up the family. Imperfect as he is, he is God's choice. The older will serve the younger. And from that family, of course, has come the survival of Israel, of down in Egypt. That's a long ways away, and we're not going there right. But we sinful ways of these sinners brings misery. We think it all work. We're happy when the on. Times in, in he talks about it and describes Hebrews describes it. Chose and I people, the people of God, rather than enjoy sin for seas, bring a certain amount of joy for a certain amount of, of early, surely a high match to it. A shocked father. We have a weeping, wailing son. The further along you go in your life, the further along I go in my life. Don't we learn that? We realize that. We understand that. It's a will for you and I. His will is in his word. I don't say waiting for some kind of a feeling. His word guides us. When we're on the road, God loves us enough to grab us by the scruff and pull us up in the right path. That's what Jonah learned, didn't he? That's what we need to learn. And may we learn that from God's word tonight. Let's bow before our Lord. Father, Sin is always sin, and sin always has consequences. And we might think that we're doing some wonderful helping works to uh, help fulfill a word that God has given. Jacob and his mother might have thought, this is how it's going to work out that your older brother will serve you and this will work perfectly and it worked most imperfectly. And help us, Lord God, to know that your will, your way is the best way, not 90% of the time, but all of the time. And help us, Lord, to patiently pray and study and serve and help us, Lord, to find our way through the melees of this life by following the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the shepherd that always goes before the sheep. And we pray, our Father, that you would speak to our hearts this night and teach us, Lord, that to persist in sin is to place ourselves as believers in danger of disqualification from serving the Lord and to persist in sin in the lives of those outside of Christ is to so sear the heart and make the heart harder and harder and harder to reach so that they will never have a desire to follow after Jesus. Teach us, Lord, we pray. May we be exhorted to obey 
may we be warned about the travesty of disobeying. And may we always know your way is the best way. And may we follow in it, we pray in Jesus' name.